Welcome to the. <laughs> We're glad you're here. <laughs> Well, that was Eileen's attempt to <laughs> mock me this morning. I've been hearing rumors that that I need to change the intro, and so we tried to let Eileen do it. <laughs> Sorry, wait, I can do it. I can. Do it. That's welcome <laughs> to the Fellowship College podcast. We're so glad you're here. That was good. That, that was better. really yeah, good. You said it wow. Josh a little bit there. That was that was much better. So, hey, we are glad that you're here. We know. I don't even know what week we're on. Four, five, five. Time flies when you're having fun. Who That's knows? right. I want to say we're on week five, and we've actually made it through our Old Testament passages. I know we've skipped over a lot, and so this is just season two. So we'll be we'll be back, and so we're kind of giving, if I'm being honest, a buffer week because we've got some heavy hitters coming up. The ones that y'all have talked to us about probably the most, I'll give you just a little spoiler, homosexuality, women's roles in ministry, slavery, end times, and can I lose my salvation? Mm. So that's how we're finishing the season. And I know we started um, started the season off with some heaters. And so- Did you say heaters? Some, some fastball <laughs> some heaters. heaters. Some heaters. Some heaters. Some it's 90 mile hitters? an hour. No, heaters. Heaters. Like fastballs. Like fast? Okay. All right. Well, Some heaters. I'm learning things today. Nice. You're wearing a hockey shirt right now. <laughs> I am. It has birds. <laughs> anyway, we started with some heaters. We're going to end with some heaters. And so this one is going to be be a little, a little more chill and relaxed. And so uh, you can turn it off right now if you, if you, if you want. But we're talking about judgment. Uh, specifically as as Christians, are we allowed to judge? What does that look like? And so, but before we get there, I'd love to hear some uh, some pet peeves you have. This is a, a judgment-free zone, if you will. And so mm. just lay it out. Like what have been some of the pet peeves that, that y'all have had recently? One of my greatest pet peeves that will absolutely tempt me to judge others is whenever you're in a fairly crowded public place, it usually happens to me at Walmart and you're trying to shop, you're trying to do your thing. You know, maybe people are just getting off work and all of a sudden you could be around the corner and somebody is just kind of like meandering down the aisle and they don't, they look like they're looking for something, but you're not sure if they are because they seem kind of aimless a little bit. <laughs> and it's like, they're not aware of their surroundings. And then they just like, are constantly in the way and you can't get around them happens all the time. And I'm sure I've done that, but I'm like, can you just like look around for a second, see think, all the people waiting to get around you to like, you know, find the bread. Do you think they really are just oblivious to the other 500 people that are in that store? <sighs> Sometimes I really think so, but I'm like, man, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, you know, maybe they're having a hard day. They and could be. <laughs> Don't justify. This is a judgment free. This is a judgment free zone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that irks me a little bit. So it's so bad. I mean, it's, it's like there's, there has to be some sort of flow and rhythm to the grocery store. There or should else, be traffic laws in the grocery store for sure. Or else we're, what, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. we've advanced as a civilization this far. Let's not throw it all the way at Walmart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. My my uh, pet peeve is when people do not yield to emergency vehicles. 
Um, if you're just driving down the road and there are flashing lights and sirens behind me, behind you, anyone, you pull over, you slow down and you pull over because those people are doing stuff way more important than you are. I promise. What if you're faster than them? No, that is not it. That is not it. How long do you have to wait? until they're gone. Can I just kind of tell them a little bit? No, that's stupid too. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know where they're going. Don't tell them. Y'all, my, my brother was a paramedic. Now he's a cop. My dad was a cop. Like I, I have the people who drive the lights in the family and the mm-hmm. stories that they tell about people who are driving and just doing dumb things. And like people die because of it. People can get in accidents if you don't yield to emergency vehicles. So slow down and pull over. Do you think any of it is sometimes... I feel like my music is too loud and, you don't and, oh. and I don't notice until they're right behind me. When people drive with headphones in, mm. y'all. What about one headphone? That's, that's better. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's dangerous. It's for dangerous. Sure. Yeah, drive with headphones in. Don't do that. But my wife's car, her stereo is horrendous. And you, if you talk on the phone with it, it's useless. And so I'm not gonna lie. When I drive her car, I I will put one headphone in. One. Just one. Just and one. if you got transparency mode. I do. AirPod Pros. Boom. We get 10% kickback if you go buy AirPod Pros today. So <laughs> the link will be in the show notes. Josh, what's your... <laughs> well, I can't think of a, a good one. And so mine is just a classic one that has irked me for potentially a decade. And that's all of you out there who are so freaking selfish and don't have iPhones. <laughs> it's the green message. Listen, the green message. I know this is classic. I know I couldn't think of a better one, but the green message drives me crazy. I don't care if your Samsung is is more uh, personable, or like I can customize certain things, or I, I can do all these. Other, I, I honestly, I don't care how good the camera is. I don't care if it flips in half and bends in the middle. Like, think about the be- the greater good, right? This is what we're all we're all talking about the greater good here. Like you're talking about emergency vehicles. They got more important (laughs) stuff. We're talking about, Hey, start thinking about the people around you at Walmart. I'm saying the same thing. Think about the other 19 people in your small group that you are ruining. They're going to go on group me, which sucks. And, and now your whole, your whole small group is essentially ruined because you decided to get a Samsung. That's facts. You disagree. (laughs) (laughs) That is so mean. I, I, is it a little I feel for the, the is people. it a little judgy <laughs> I, I, if it makes you feel any better i was the green bubble guy until i graduated college and then i had to repent and i got <laughs> an iphone yeah that's that's sanctification right there yeah yeah i can see you as a green they bubble called guy. him the Thanks. green bubble that was his superhero name <laughs> in college <laughs> the can green I, bubble <laughs> can that be our intro next week what's your superhero name jacob's doing the intro next week so oh, okay. i'll leave that up to him okay sounds good. anyway so now that we've got some of the the judgment out of out of the way, we do want to talk about a passage that uh, I would say is still controversial. It might not seem as weighty or as serious as some of the things that we have talked about. And we're going to talk about, but it's still it still is applicable to our lives, and we we want to understand this passage because I feel like this is a passage that has been used out of context as as much as any other passage in the New Testament. And so that passage is Matthew 7, verses 1. We'll go all the way to, to 6. Jacob, do you want to read 
today. Do you have that pulled up? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me switch versions real quick. Here we go. Okay, I'm reading from the ESV. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Mm. And so we've probably heard that passage before. We've probably, especially that first verse, I hear all the time. Judge not that you be not judged. And a lot of times that's used as this argument to say, hey, whoa, 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 don't don't call me out. Don't talk negatively about me. Don't call me out on anything. Jesus, Jesus himself says, by the way, this is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. He's, Jesus himself says, judge not, those first two words. And so today we're going to try and get to the bottom of it. Is that what he's saying? Is he saying that Christians or even humans should not judge or is there something deeper going on? And to get there, we probably need a little help with some context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think too, like this is probably one of the most quoted verses by non-believers who say, oh, don't Lord, judge me, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly like that. Every single one of them. They say it. Hey, yep. Bro, don't judge me. <laughs> um, but it is important to have context in anything we're reading. So if we look at where this is in Matthew, um, it's within the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is a collection of um, teachings by Jesus that span from, gosh, teachings on prayer to divorce to loving our enemies to um, managing... Anxiety. Yeah, yeah, anxiety and, and treasures and stuff like that. And so um, when we look at this passage and it says, okay, do not judge or you too will be judged that first verse makes it seem like okay like we're not supposed to judge ever but then you go down a few verses and it says okay well hey actually first you have to take the plank out of your own eye and then you can remove the speck from your other brother's eye which makes it seem like okay so we are to judge but in in what context and so we're going to talk about that in a second but um when we're looking at passages we also have to take in to account the rest of the Bible as well. And um, if we look at what the rest of Scripture says, I mean, we see passages that talk about how we are to discern um, what it looks like to follow Jesus faithfully. And so, um, oh gosh, let me think. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, for example, verse 5 is talking about how we're supposed to examine and test ourselves. Um, and so you could you could say, oh, well, you have to judge yourself and you have to know what's right versus wrong in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of Scripture. Or, gosh, I even think of um, Paul, was it in Second Thessalonians or somewhere in there where he says, hey, like, you guys test me. Like, make sure you know what I'm saying and, and if that aligns with Scripture as well, if that aligns with God. Yeah, in the book of Acts, he, he applauds Acts. the Macedonian church mm-hmm. for testing everything that Paul says according to scripture. Yeah. And then you look at Jesus and the way that he interacts with the Pharisees and the way that he he calls them out. And these are people who claim to be followers of the law and claim to be people who follow Yahweh. Yet Jesus is out here 
seemingly judging them, you know, and it's like, okay, well, are we supposed to follow in Jesus's footsteps and, and judge those who also claim to be Christians? Um, what does that look like? And so just remembering, Hey, we have to look at, yes, the context of the verse that we are reading, but also test that with other passages throughout the Bible and see what the, the greater understanding of this is. Yeah. And whenever, you know, we're thinking about just that term judge, I think in our modern context, Josh, like what you're saying, whenever somebody says, Hey, don't judge me. Usually people are talking about, um, Hey, let me do my own thing. Don't view me in this negative light just because you disagree with me, which isn't exactly what this type of judgment is. This type of judgment, if you think of actually like a judge who holds whoever's standing before him to the standard of whatever is written in the law, that's more like that. So for believers, I like what you're talking about. We are called to hold each other to the standard to which God has laid out before us. And so it's kind of like a, a measurement of, hey, where are we at here? Not just that I disagree with you about something. And so there's kind of like a cultural piece for us. And it's not so far removed. We still use judgment like that. But in kind of pop culture, I think judgment is usually just like, hey, you don't like what I'm doing. Stop like talking trash. Yeah. And so let's work through this this passage because as both Eileen and Jacob have said, it seems that, this, that Jesus is saying that there is actually a, a right way to judge that he's not saying don't don't judge don't call anybody out ever but he's I think he's saying there's a there's a right way and a wrong way to do it so let's let's just walk through the passage and try and figure out what he's what he's trying to teach us about about judging others uh, and judging ourselves uh, as well because it would be so easy and we do this all the time that's why this verse is used to Take verse one, judge not that you be not judged. Done, put it on a coffee mug, put it in your bathroom, like on the wall, put it on your Instagram bio. Awesome, right there. Jesus clearly says, judge not that you be not judged. But then he goes on for, for five more verses. And so he says, don't judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and as Jacob was saying, this this measurement, he says, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so he's saying, don't judge according to a standard that you wouldn't want to be measured up to as well, as Jacob said. And then he gives this example, which I think this kind of really unlocks this passage for us. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own bra, in your own bra, (laughs) in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This this illustration, this example that he's giving, it's a hypothetical situation, but it completely unlocks this passage. And it actually, instead of giving us like a, a command to not do something, it actually helps us and gives us a gift for something that we can do well and help ourselves and help other people. The first thing is this humility, this this position of humility that he says, if you want to 
judge somebody or you want to call them out for something that's not according to to this standard, you have to see your own weakness, your own sin, your own struggles first. And it will go as far as to say, compare the thing that's in your own eye as a plank or a log and the thing that's in your brother's eye as a speck. Essentially saying, you should view your own shortcomings a thousand times bigger and more important than you view your brother or your sister's shortcomings or failures. And the reason I think he's saying that is because it, it one, puts this position of humility and also empathy. And also, if you're really good at seeing your own weaknesses and your own failures, how much better are you going to be to help your brother or your sister. I think that's the whole point of this passage is Jesus wants wants us to to see that it's actually a, a gift to help your brother or your sister remove something that's in their eye. I mean, just in a very practical sense, right? We would say, if I had something in my eye, or a lot of times the practical example would be, if you had something in your teeth, you'd probably want a good friend would would be someone that would help you get that out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this, uh, this section here, it, you know, as you, re- if whenever you all read through the Sermon on the Mount, there's going to be a lot of these um, little sections that almost, they seem like one off. It's like, there's this section and then he jumps to a new, a new topic and then a new topic. And a lot of these uh, revolve around, <clears throat> excuse me, things that uh, we just deal with on a daily basis. So he talks about worry and anxiety and he talks about money and what we value. And I think this lands in one of those things where for for whatever reason, and sociologists talk about this all the time, there's like law cases based around this. Uh, we are bent to see the wrong in other people uh, or point things out in other people or um, shift blame, find the negative in other people, but then view ourselves way more positively. And it's like yeah. a phenomenon that, I mean, there's been books written about it. Uh, and Jesus is really like dialing into that. This is something that all people are dealing with. And it's something that he's like, hey, if, if I'm giving you, Jesus speaking, uh, my kingdom ethic, this is what mm-hmm. it means to be a part of the people of God living in this kingdom. Yeah. This is something you have to be aware of and something that you practice because every single person is going to deal with this in some way or another. Yeah. And the first, again, we find this passage in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, really closer towards the end of it. But the very first verse of the Sermon on the Mount, the first criteria for being a kingdom man or a kingdom woman to like, here's how you get into the kingdom of heaven. He says, poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit in five through Matthew five, three for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the very first criteria is humility. You have to recognize your own need. You have to recognize your own weakness. You have to recognize the plank that's in your own eye in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's not for the people that have it all together. It's not for the people uh, that seem to, their lives just seem to be perfect. It's for the one that recognizes the log that's in their own eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Both of y'all are looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything um, to add? You just, usually <laughs> have like some 
wisdom where you say something way better than we just said it. So that's why we're like, <laughs> we said, we kind of said that. Now, Eileen, say it way better than we said it. I, I mean, I think that was great. I think just, hey, remember your position. Remember who you are. Remember who God is. Um, and remember who you are next to other people too. And just be humble, you know? Um, so then my question is, mm-hmm. well, what about the, the verses after that? What about verse six where it says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of crazy. Fun fact, real quick aside. Um, You're going to tell a story about being a little cowboy in a, Arkansas. A with, pigs. Yeah, the, with, the, uh, yeah. That's right. When it says uh, <laughs> the, the pigs will um, turn around and tear you to pieces, that happens. Pigs are crazy <laughs> aggressive. And my uh, dad and grandparents, whenever he was a kid, raised pigs. And a couple of times they got attacked by the pigs they were raising. So no way, l- legit. So watch out if you're messing around with those pigs. Are they like big pigs? Yeah, like they'll knock you to the ground. Like yeah, hogs, like hogs. Fine. Yeah, bigger than Wilbur. But yeah, but when they're little, they're okay. You can yeah, they're alright when they're little. <laughs> you can have them as a little baby pig. <laughs> you can yes. raise your little baby. Is that pig. how you talk to Blair? <laughs> <laughs> no, just pigs. Just, <laughs> just, are you trying to compare my daughter? To a oh, pig, John. are you Never. judge not, not <laughs> lest you be judged, Eileen? Not Blair. I think so highly of that little child. She is the cutest. <laughs> um, sorry, I took us on a tangent there. No, that's good. That, that helped us put get, set the set the stage. Yeah, for us. they. Uh, so in verse six, yeah, it's these couple of weird sayings, and it seems like they might not super relate. Um, and part of the reason is because Jesus is using some idioms of the time. Um, you actually see kind of parts of these um, in like the Psalms and the Proverbs. Uh, and so this is kind of his final point to this section. He's trying to like kind of conclude it. And whenever we look at, okay, what's kind of the content of these two sentences? Um, it's talking about these things that are holy. Um, and then it's talking about uh, these things that are technically unclean. So yeah. dogs and pigs um, for the Jewish people were considered unclean animals. You don't get around them. You don't touch them. They would make you ceremonially unclean, which yep. we talked about a couple episodes yeah. ago. Episode three. Um, and so he's, ba- he's comparing something holy, which is supposed to be set apart um, to God. It's very important. Uh, for them hearing that you would throw anything that is holy to unclean animals, it's like nobody would ever do that. That's kind of the point. It's like never do that. So then you got to ask the question, well, what is this holy thing that he's talking about? He's ta- he references pearls, but it, it's supposed to be representing something. Something of value. Something of value. And this the verse before that, he says, hey, you hypocrite, first remove the beam from your own eye. Then you can see to clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so it's this um, encouragement to, hey, once you do take that position of humility, Josh, like you were talking about, you are actually able to do something very valuable and actually holy because it's a sanctifying work for your brother or sister to help them see where they're kind of miss- missing that measure that we ought yeah. to be living up to. Um, and we see that throughout the whole book of Proverbs, yes. right? Yeah, the that, whole book of Proverbs. Yeah, that there's there's value to correction and mm-hmm. value to rebuke and and somebody that is willing to to be trained and disciplined and rebuked and called out that that person is wise exactly yeah proverbs 9 verse 8 says do not reprove or correct uh, a scoffer or he will hate you reprove a wise man 
and he will love you. Mm. Uh, and so basically Jesus is, is talking about he's uh, trying to communicate that this reproof, this helping your brother get the speck out of his eye is a very mm. valuable thing. Uh, and you and you ought to do it coming from an also like a wise and a humble position. You don't want to be that scoffer that hates correction with the log sticking out of your eye. Remove the log, become wise, become humble. Uh, and you get to add this really holy, valuable treasure to people's lives. Yeah, that's good. And so this Jesus is actually giving us some practical wisdom too when he's talking about these last two verses that sometimes seem either aggressive or strange about not giving dogs what is holy, not throwing your pearls before swine. He's he's giving us his wisdom of Proverbs 9. If somebody doesn't want your reproof or correction or this passage says judgment, but I think that's kind of what it's getting towards is correction for the sake of their own good. If they don't want it, I think part of what Jesus is saying is, all right, move on. Don't give it. Don't give it to them. And and there's a part of this where, where in this context, Jesus and, and Israel would consider those outside of the family of God as pigs and dogs, right? We actually see that multiple times in, in the gospels. Um, and so I think a, a part of this wisdom too, is those that aren't held to the same standard. So if you're outside of Israel at this time, but obviously Jesus is the whole summer amount is him ushering in this new kingdom. And so if you're outside of Jesus's kingdom, I think he's saying, don't hold those people to the same standard that that you're holding yourself and or your brothers and sisters to don't you don't need to judge them and correct them and reprove them because they're not a part of the kingdom they're not a part of this same standard or measurement that your brother and sister is and so let's talk practically what does that look like in 21st century midwest slash southern christianity or like in america what does that look like for our listeners today in that context? Gosh, I get so fired up about this topic because, um, man, we see so much clashing going on between the church and um, people who aren't in the church or people today who would claim to not be religious or following a different religion and something like, or something like that. And, um, even recently just in conversations with other college students, um, I've been hearing, um, oh, well, like, how do I call out my friend who's not a Christian um, and, and call out their sin? And what I would say to that is I, I wouldn't be worried about calling out their sin because they're not Christians. So why why are we holding them to a standard that Christ calls them to when they don't care about Christ? My first thing is, hey, I want them to know Jesus. Yeah. So I am going to be sharing Jesus with them and, and loving them the way that Jesus loves them. And that is going to be my sole purpose because if, if we are talking to people and saying, oh, well, you know, you should be kind to your brother and you should be loving and, and X, Y, Z of these Christian values, that doesn't mean anything if they don't know Jesus, because at the end of the day, that is still resulting in them spending eternity 
not in relationship with the Lord. And, and so the first thing is if they don't know Jesus, stop trying to hold them to a standard of Christianity. And we see that play out so often when it comes to the topic of homosexuality. And there's been so much hurt that has been brought into this whole sphere when, you know, you see Christians saying, oh, you're going to hell because you're gay or whatever, whatever. And, and just bringing up so much hurt when, hey, this person doesn't know Jesus. Let's share Jesus with them. Now, if you have a friend who claims Christianity, who claims to be following Jesus, then we're supposed to be sanctifying one another and we're supposed to be sharpening one another. And the way that we can do that is, hey, Josh, I see you've been doing X, Y, Z. What's up with that? (laughs) You know, like that's not the standard that you've committed to. Exactly. And if I'm doing something that is out of the bounds of what Jesus calls me to, I would hope that both Jacob and Josh here would be saying, Eilie girl, what you doing? Like, that's not what you claim to be doing. And so, gosh, if you're a follower of Jesus listening to this podcast, then I hope you have friends surrounding you that are willing to call you out. And I hope that you are willing to call out your friends in a kind and gracious way, right? Remembering, hey, you have your own stuff to be dealing with and and remembering that posture of humility of, hey, like their sins are not greater than my sins. Um, but still being willing to say, I love you and I care about you. And if we are Christians, we are called to hate evil as well. And so like, gosh, um, don't let your brother or sister live in something that's displeasing to the Lord, just as you wouldn't want to live in something that's displeasing to the Lord. And, and let's put this on the the individual for a second, the individual Christians listening to this. If, you're, if your friends come to you and call something out and you don't want want to receive that i'm not saying like in the moment everything in you might boil up and you're like but if you've taken some time and you're like hey i i don't want you to to call me out on anything i don't want to be held to this standard i don't want to be corrected if you don't have this posture of of please if anything in me is not in line with Jesus's kingdom, call me out. If that, if you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, I don't want that. As bluntly as I could say it, you are probably not a part of the kingdom. And I want you to think about that because that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. When you say Jesus is my Lord, you're saying Jesus is my King. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to do that. Again, you're going to mess up all the time. That's why this passage is here. But you have to have a posture of, hey, I want to be corrected. It might not feel good in the moment. I might really kick against it and push against it. But ultimately, deep down, my desire is to look more like Jesus. And so if if, if you don't want that, you, you need to rethink, do I actually want to follow Jesus as Lord? So, Yeah, and that's... Uh... Living, you know, we're, we're kind of now just talking about this topic of this holiness. This is an aspect of what it means to live a life that is set apart um, for God. Part of the reason is because, hey, we live in this kingdom. This is the kingdom ethic. This is how we do it. Uh, a big part of that is the fact that God is holy and he has called us to also be holy. Uh, and so there is a reverence and an expectation part. Uh, but there's also an element where whenever we live like that, whenever I let Eileen and Josh speak into my life and correct me and and judge me, hold me to this right measure. It's actually helping me get back into how life was designed to be lived, yeah. uh, to be lived, and I get to live a fuller and more joyful 
uh, more lively life because of that. And so it's actually a getting, we're moving closer and closer to that new heavens, new earth creation that's coming whenever we, uh, whenever we live like that, which is, um, is, is always great to remember because in our culture, it's really easy to think, oh, I got to get back in line so I don't get punished. That's not the point. That, that's not what's happening at all, um, actually. Uh, it is this calling to live this even better lifestyle, even though it can be uncomfortable and hard whenever you open up to people to let them judge you, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are two ditches that we can kind of fall into um, pretty easily that we need to be aware of when it comes to this topic. And one of those ditches is just simply judging everyone all the time. (laughs) Um, No one wants to be around that person. And I think in those moments where we find ourselves being really critical, Jacob, you were mentioning earlier how we just have this tendency to, to magnify other people's sins or just judge them more harshly than we often see ourselves. Um, When we find ourselves falling into that one, we need to just remember that humility, like Lord, like I see that my heart is becoming hard. Would you just help me to remember who I am and, and help me to remember that I'm a sinful, broken person as well. And it's only through you that um, I'm growing in these areas. And so straying from from that ditch and not having it become legalistic either in the sense of like, oh, well, if I follow these rules to a T, then that makes me a good Christian, right? That whole like Pharisee kind of mindset. That's not what this is about. This is about loving Jesus and wanting to look more like him. And then on the other side- of Let me just re- say one more thing on that, oh, on that ditch real quick. This is supposed to be done in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It's called bro- like a brother or a sister. So there's this idea of close relationship. And so if you're just going around to people that you barely know and they're like, oh, they're a Christian, I barely know them, I'm going to go call them out on stuff, that's not the intention here. Mm-hmm. That's not what's supposed, supposed to be done. This is supposed to be for, for people that are, the judgment is supposed to be for those that you're in close relationship with. And so don't just don't just go around to everybody that you're like, oh, they're a Christian, so I'm going to call them out. Oh, that that figure, you know, I saw him on YouTube, like, I'm just going to go judge like, oh, he's doing this or that or that. We can easily fall into that as well. Oh, that's a really good point. Really good point to make. That's why it's so important to have just a few people that can hold you accountable in your life, you know, um, that you have specifically for that purpose. But the other ditch that you can fall into is this idea of like, I'm just never going to judge anyone ever. Like, everyone, you do you, uh, live your best life. I mean, anyone can do whatever they want. Um, it's not for me to, to judge them. And to that, I would say, well, how are we supposed to sanctify one another? And I mean, ultimately I want to be clear. It's the Holy spirit that sanctifies, um, the believer. Um, but the Holy spirit, the Lord will often use other people and use different situations in your life that, that sharpen you and, and that you grow and you learn from. And so, if, if we are to grow collectively as a body of believers that look more and more like Christ daily, we need to have people to hold us accountable. And so we can't fall into that ditch of, I'm just not going to say anything ever. Um, gosh, what would our church look like if we didn't have people holding each other accountable to this standard of living like Jesus? And honestly, I think this is why the media can so easily like grasp onto this negative image of Christianity because you have people who 
claim to be Christians, claim to be following Jesus, but are living so hypocritically, living so far away from the standard that Jesus has called us to. And so it's so easy for people who are non-Christians to say, why would I follow Jesus if you're you know, yelling at me for doing X, Y, Z, but you're not even living to that standard. Why would I want to be a part of that? And so I think, man, we just got to remember that we are constantly an ambassador for Christ if we are claiming to be a Christian. And so we need to be aware of that. And we also need to be aware of just the, our own sin and, and the way that we are broken and, and just ask for the Lord to help grow us in that. That's really good. And especially in the church, a lot of times we don't want to call out our brothers and sisters because if we're being really honest with ourselves, we don't we don't want to be called out. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this always starts with a posture of humility. When we when we are come to a place where we want to be grown like grown and trained and called out and reproved and um then it's easier for us to in love go out and help our brother and our and our sister and so until we get to that place that we value discipline and we value growth and we value uh being refined until we get to that place we probably shouldn't call out anybody else which i think is what jesus is saying here and so again the heart posture has to be humility and then it has to be done with love if we if if love is not at the center of us trying to call somebody else out or or help them grow if if love isn't at the center of it we're doing it wrong and so next time you're thinking about calling someone out on on something ask yourself the question am i doing this to feel better about myself and my own sin or am i doing this uh, because I really want to see them experience this abundant life that Jacob was talking about. That's good. And so I think I think the the place where we land is we look at Paul. I think Paul did this so well when he is when we see him in Acts and he's talking to non-believers. The first thing he's always talking about is the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus. Look at the resurrection of Jesus. Look at this new way. Look at. Look at what God has done for you. He's inviting you into this kingdom when he's talking to non-believers. We rarely see see him calling out their idolatry. We rarely see him calling out their sin. He's inviting them into a better life, a better way, a better king. But then we see almost this different Paul when we look at some of his letters. Like He gets fiery in some of these letters that he writes to believers, to the church. We see him calling out their idolatry, calling out their sin, calling out the ways that they have fallen short of this measurement, but he does it with humility. The My favorite example is in 1 Timothy 1. He's, he calls himself the chief of sinners. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, of whom I am the worst. I'm the worst of all sinners and Jesus came for me. And now, and then after that, he goes and corrects and trains and and rebukes in order for them to grow in love. And so if you're listening to this and and you are a non-believer, our message for you today is Jesus wants you to come into this kingdom. He has a better way for you. 
that the life that you're living right now isn't as full, isn't as abundant, isn't as joyful as it can be. And he wants you to come into that. And if you're a believer listening to this, what we want you to know is that Jesus still wants you to live this life to the fullest. And so in humility, submit yourself to him, be trained, open yourself up to the people that are close to you that you trust and, and go to them today and say, hey, listen, parts of my life are, are not aligned with, with the, the kingdom of God. Will you call me out? Will you help me to be trained and equipped and, and to grow in righteousness? And so that's all we got for you today. And so we got some heaters coming up pretty soon. And so until then, grace, grace and peace. peace.